Good evening, everybody. My name is Jordan, and this is episode 14 of Sodom and I. Now, I know normally we are, uh, normally I read out the Bible and I look up verses that, that pertain to everyday life and whatnot, but we're going to switch it up today. Today is story time. Today's story time is a little bit more laid back. We're not going to crack open our Bible today, but we will crack open that devotional. <laughs> and uh, today, let's just talk about some uh, some stories about leaning into trusting God. Now, I looked up two stories online as well as... Uh, Give it my own testimony, and I'll start with the other two. Now, they it does get pretty uh, it gets pretty tough reading these stories. It gets kind of hard, but this definitely uh, so it's something that we should probably hear. You know. Mm-hmm. So basically, this first story. Uh, her name is Erin. Her husband's name was John, and they had, I think, three or four kids. And I guess I'll summarize it versus reading the entire article. The first parts of this article speaks on, you know, her meeting her husband in high school. She was a junior. He was a senior. And uh, he was a Christian, and I don't think she had really, you know, changed her life or given up you know, her life over to Christ yet, but they met, he went to Bible college while she was still in high school, but came back to visit and everything, they got married in 2002, 13 years of marriage, had uh, three kids, there we go, and three children, I think one daughter and two sons, all right, boom. Now I'm going to start at the the part that hurts, but the part that teaches the most. All right. Sunday, May 3rd, 2015 was a beautiful spring day, and I had to work after church for a few hours at the YMCA. After work, I wanted to enjoy some family time outside. So we decided to go for a walk on a newly constructed bridge that was becoming a popular place in our community. The Trestle Trail Bridge was a 1,600-foot pedestrian bridge that had been converted from a railroad bridge and was located on the Little Lake uh, Boot to Mort in Menasha, Wisconsin. And then it gives a picture of the trail. It's a really beautiful trail, I'll say that much. We walked all the way from one side to the other and decided to turn around since the lake flies were swarming on the other side. In the middle of the day, mm -hmm. in the middle of the day, I got sidetracked. I'm going to go back in my little room. <laughs> my dog chewing on his bone bone. He all loud. He's like, where are you going, mom? <laughs> I don't want to stop you from chewing, son. There you go. All right. There we go. Let's continue. So, 
Yeah, swarming on the other side. In the middle of the bridge is a red pavilion with some benches underneath. As we approached, we noticed a man slumped over on one of the benches with another man standing nearby. My son Ezra, who was seven at the time, was further ahead with our dog Sammy. As we came closer to the red pavilion, John, who was her husband's name, John approached the man and tried to see what was the matter. Nothing could have prepared me for what happened next. Without warning, the man pulled a gun. The man pulled out a gun and shot John in the chest. He shot my daughter Olivia, and then he shot me through the leg. We all went to the ground. I grabbed the hand of my five-year-old daughter, Selah, who was standing next to me in shock, and we started to run. More shots fired. This couldn't be real. I approached my son Ezra, who was further ahead, and told him to run and get help. I was shot two more times as we ran off the bridge, one of the bullets hitting my left hand, lodging in my wedding ring, and another through my abdomen. I finally reached the end of the bridge and collapsed to the ground. I don't even remember feeling any pain until I stopped to lay there. I told my two kids to get help. Looking back towards the bridge, I didn't see anyone coming. I would later learn that the gunman had taken his own life. My husband, John, my daughter, Olivia, and another innocent man named Adam, who was the other one that she referenced walking on the bridge, did not survive the terror of that day. As I lay there waiting for help, I knew that my whole life, my whole world was changing. This day would permanently mark my family and the entire community. Then it gives a... The, these have, like, pictures, like, real pictures of people, you know, of, of uh, John and Olivia right here. Ooh, man, this story hurts. It really does. But it's not done. I never lost consciousness as they transported me to the hospital. My only memory of the ambulance was that every bump we went over was excruciating. I longed to be put out. But that happened as soon as we arrived to the hospital where I underwent emergency surgery. When I awoke from the surgery, reality came flooding back into my mind. And my worst fears were confirmed. John and Olivia were gone. I couldn't speak because there was a tube in my mouth. And I was still foggy from the medication. But I had to tell everyone what the last words of my husband John were. It was the last thing I heard him say as we ran off the bridge that day, and it came from the heart of a man who loved Jesus and understood what it meant to be forgiven. This is crazy. This is literally crazy. And when I read this for the first time, I cried. But John said to the shooter, may God forgive you. That... Ah... <sighs> That is an overwhelming amount of instant forgiveness. To the shooter. First of all, he went up to the shooter to see what was wrong. Like, that's, that's crazy. I struggled to write this down on paper since I couldn't speak. In the wake of such tragedy, such unspeakable evil, those words from John echoed what was spoken by Stephen in the book of Acts as he was being stoned to death. 
my physical recovery was slow. And then he gives a picture of a CNN article, Wisconsin mom shot, uh, shot saving two of her kids, but husband and daughter killed. Gunman kills three people on a Wisconsin bridge, then takes his own life. My physical recovery was slow and painful, with multiple surgeries required to repair the damage done to my hand. My relationship with God was tested, as I had so many questions in my mind about why and, and how this had all happened. This man didn't know us at all. We just happened to be in that place at that time. Ah, man. What I have come to understand is... That God does not waste our pain. There is purpose in it. Tragedy, death, suffering. They change you. And I'm not the same person I was when I stepped out onto that bridge in 2015. I realized that I am not alone either. When I read the story of a woman named Elizabeth Elliot, I felt such a deep connection with her. And what she went through, she too lost her spouse in an act of violence, but never allowed hatred to consume her. She not only forgave her husband's killers, she shared the gospel with them. That is also wild, but I know that's exactly what God wants you to do. That's just, it's crazy. Because I know not a lot of us would, would do the same thing for real. I say I wouldn't, but I know... <laughs> I said I wouldn't do a lot of things that I ended up actually doing because God told me to do it. Like forgiving and apologizing and things of that nature. But if he wants you to do it, you go and do it. You know? Oh man. She not only forgave her husband's killer, she shared the gospel with them. Her perseverance through unimaginable hardship and loss and her unwavering faith have inspired me and encouraged me. If you're facing hardship right now, I want you to know that you're not alone. And then it talks about uh, the book that Elizabeth Elliot wrote, Shadow the Almighty, click here. I'm not going to do that. Share the story because I want people to know that there is hope in Jesus, no matter what your circumstances are. We grieve, but do not grieve as those with no hope. And then it uh first Thessalonians chapter four verse thirteen. Look at that. I said I wasn't gonna do it, but I did it. Or well I didn't do it, God did it. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. That's good. Two years after this tragic event my life would change again dramatically when I reached out to a person I'd never met before. And then it's another click here situation. And I'm going to click that one, but I'm not going to read that tonight. A light shines in the darkness. Ooh. I'm going to read that, and then we're going to come back and do, like, do a little series on this. But that was the first story, and that woman's name was Erin, I believe. Oh, I think I... I talked about, or no, I read this one. This one's about Wendy. Ooh, man. I will talk about this story. So, this one is about a woman named Wendy. And let me go back to this other, other tab. 
Let's just say his name is Jack. I don't want to say his name's Jack if his name isn't actually Jack. Either way, this woman who he's talking about, his wife, his name is Wendy. This one, I'm just going to summarize. So, it starts the story off talking about, um, you know, it just being a normal night. John and Wendy went to bed. His name was John. There we go. No, his name wasn't John. The last guy's name was John. Let's just say Alex. Alex woke up and he heard he heard Wendy's breathing wasn't, you know, wasn't normal. So he was just trying to gently wake her up and then she wasn't waking up. So, you know, he started panicking a little bit more and yelling, screaming her name, called 911. And they ended up um, marking her time of death the next morning around 9 a.m. And all that stuff happened at like 11, 11 something the night before, like March 16th, and I think 20, 2017, mm-hmm. yeah, 2017, because he, he wrote this two months after her passing, it says all the way at the, at the bottom, let me scroll back to this part, that touched me, look, these stories, these stories hurt a little bit, but it shows you that what I searched up is stories on hitting rock bottom and turning your life over to Christ. Because I felt like not everyone who's going to listen to this podcast at some point in time is going to be at their rock bottom. But that doesn't mean uh, you still can't hear about these stories and, and God's, you know, works and just how he works in other people's lives. So, uh, when I say Alex and Wendy, she ended up passing away, right? And they had four sons. They had four sons. So it just started talking. He started talking about how God worked in Wendy's life because they, they were in a relationship from high school, I think as well. And then John wasn't really much of a believer and Wendy was like a private believer. She wasn't, you know, all about walking around and proclaiming his word and everything. It was something very personal to her. And I think he he just felt like he was called one day and gave his life over to Christ. And that's when their relationship, uh, I think he said got rocky because she was normally the one to push him towards God and then he was pushing her and it just created like a uncomfortable dynamic between them but they got over it and he was talking about how God worked in her life um another time when they were trying to get pregnant so he said their first three pregnancies they didn't have any issue you know no problem but their last one they did and they wanted a girl and they were trying and then the, you know, they were saying each month it was coming up negative, coming up negative and she was getting sad. And then one time it came up positive, but it was an ectopic pregnancy. And for, for those who don't know what that means, it means that the, um, the egg was in her fallopian tube that so instead of in like her womb where it's supposed to be so if the baby were to continue growing right there 
it would be very, very detrimental to the mom and probably the baby as well. So the most times, uh, it's it's probably the best option to terminate that pregnancy. That way you can still have your life, you know. But those are some really hard decisions to make. And unfortunately, they had to make that decision, even though they felt like, uh, you know, they 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 prayed and they got confirmation. I actually will scroll. I will scroll up. They they prayed and got confirmation. And where is it? Not that one. Do, 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 do. But basically, God. Um, I think it was. They said the week before Mother's Day, she got a verse. It was in Matthew. It was in Matthew. Bear with me, guys. Bear with me. They were talking about this. There we go. I see stuff about terminating the pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I say to you, if two of you... There we go. Yeah. He he showed her. Here's the passage. Devotional book. You're helpful. All right. In the picture, you can see the date, May 14th, in the upper right corner. The Bible verse for that day is Matthew chapter 18, verse 19, the same verse she emailed me six days before. So it says one day she just emailed him this verse out of nowhere because it stood out to her. And this was before the pregnancy test. And then seven days later, on May 14th, um, she was reading like a devotional. And she, I think she read the devotional right after she took the pregnancy test and sent him a picture that said, pause, you know, pregnant. And it said the same one, Matthew chapter 18, verse 19. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my father who is in heaven. Right. And it said that when they decided that they wanted to get pregnant again, they went to New Mexico and they were on the beach, and they both prayed intentionally. Both of them, the two of them, prayed together for a little baby girl. And now um, we got the ectopic pregnancy, and then unfortunately they had to terminate it. And I'm sure you guys could imagine how how hard of a decision that is, especially when you prayed for the baby, you know? And then, you know, you actually got pregnant after various failed attempts but moving past that um it just spoke on how wendy was whoo she felt like her relationship with god was being tested because it was just so many negatives you know back to backs and at one point oh because of the pregnancy by the way i'm sorry i forgot to mention this they had to remove one of her fallopian tubes. So that just cut down her chance of getting pregnant even more, even more, you know, and she, she essentially started taking it into her own hands. And I think I was talking about this uh, yesterday or the day before she was trying to take fertility treatments and different hormones and different injections and shots and stuff. And I think it was the night before she was about to start doing all that stuff. She felt like God had told her to stop trying to put it in her own hands and to leave it to him. And one of her friends, she told one of her friends how she was feeling. And a friend gave her back an answer that she wasn't expecting to hear, which was, 
even when you're upset with God, even when you feel like you're mad at God, draw closer to him and hold on to him in your faith. And she was not expecting that answer. And that's what she got. And she did that, though. And she gave birth to a little baby boy. And his name was Judah. And Judah is so cute. This whole whole blog is just so touching. And um, later, let me scroll down. It talks about... It talks about Alex. Um, I think his name might actually be Steve. Yep, there it is. I was wondering if Steve and I could take you. His name is Steve. I said Alex. <laughs> Gave a stand-in name to differentiate him from John. But three days after the negative pregnancy test. Alright, this is way up there. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. Man, yeah, these stories hit hard. I was crying through this story, too. I've been crying. <laughs> Trying to let me give you an example. God knows who is the this and that. Not over time. Now, if you're paying attention, I said two things in the last paragraph. It might sound a little weird. Oh, yeah. So, this is also talking about um, their, their, their daughter's name. And he was talking about their daughter's name is Mercy. Found out Wendy was pregnant. Lastly, blah, blah, blah. talking to Becky. Mercy's name. I'm trying to go to this one specific paragraph. Mm. I know I'm rolling up. Bear with me, guys. Bear with me. Somebody. Okay, there we go. Now, please don't miss this. I need to state this as clearly as possible so there is no doubt in what I'm saying. I have a daughter in heaven. Her name is Mercy. Here's another reference to my daughter, Mercy. I emailed Andrea. Andrea is the woman I was talking about that sent uh, Wendy the message that she did not expect to hear, but she was there. Andrea is a very good friend. Mm-hmm. I want to say first how deeply sorry I am for the loss of your amazing wife. She really was one of a kind. Her tender heart and gift of mercy touched my heart on many occasions. And he felt like, uh, this was just one thing in that paragraph that I'm not going to go completely through, but he felt like uh, God was telling him that the daughter that him and his wife prayed for, her name was Mercy. She was in heaven with Jesus, right? Where is it? Here we go. I'm going to read that paragraph. Wendy and I are God delights showing, God delights in showing me my daughter in heaven. Wendy and I asked for a daughter in 2011. God gave Wendy a sign that he fulfilled our prayer on May 14, 2012. God did, he did give us a daughter, but she was not meant for this earth. And now that personally for me hit me pretty hard. Because like I said in one of these previous episodes, I miscarried and I had twins. Now, just because, just, and I'll, I'll say before I had those twins, I had been having like dreams of uh, sonograms and like I saw a baby and then I saw two of them and I was like, what, uh, what, what does this mean? <laughs> like, what does this mean? Uh, what do you mean? You know, I would meditate. 
and close my eyes and see like a, a sonogram and I'd be like, oh, wow, this is crazy. I guess uh, somebody I know is about to, you know, be pregnant. <laughs> Not knowing that it was about to be me, you know, but just because, um, you know, just because I miscarried and they're not here on this earth does not mean that God, you know, didn't give me kids. Because I'll say that after I started having those dreams, I really, really, really wanted them. And then I was praying. I was like, okay, this is nice. Like, it wasn't planned. I didn't plan on getting pregnant. But it happened. And I was like, ah, I like the idea of this, you know. But things happen, and I still know that I'm a mommy. I'm just not an earthly mommy right now. And that's okay. But when he... When he wrote that God did give us a daughter, but she just she was just not meant for this earth. That one touched me right right in my heart muscle. Mm -hmm. And um, this was a really nice story. And Steve, Steve was just talking in remembrance of his wife and this whole this whole blog post and kept updating it and whatnot. And you can tell that he he truly did love his wife and his children but in story number three because we're only going to do three today i wanted to talk about i didn't know if i had already spoke on this but if i did let's just get a double dose because i'm still going to talk about it <laughs> i'm going to speak on when i um when i went to california earlier last year in april april 1st through 3rd i was um let me sit down I was among two people selected from the Aveda in Tallahassee to be flown out to California. Now, I'll just tell you my journey from the morning I woke up before getting on the plane all the way to getting back to Tallahassee, what, three or four days later. So, woke up at six something, had to be at the, no, I woke up at like five something and had to the plane was flying off at 6.30, so I needed to make sure I was there around 5-ish. I got there, the line was long, and I basically got in five minutes before my boarding was done, so I barely made it, right? And then the plane flew to Miami, and from Miami, it was going to California. I missed that flight, getting some breakfast, 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 because I was starving, <laughs> I was so hungry. I was like, all right, I have enough time. Let me go get this breakfast. The line was long and I came back and they had just closed the gate. And I was, you know, he was like, oh, da, da, da. is this your first time at, like, they were being so rude. He was like, is this your first time at the airport? I was like, oh, I haven't flown in a minute. I'm sorry. You don't know my pockets. You don't know if I could just be flying in and out of town like that. Don't try me, sir. But I went and got uh, a... <laughs> The, the lady who was helping me also wasn't very kind either. Just a big lack of kindness, just being desensitized due to the job you chose. But, you know, I got another flight, had to wait an hour. Now my bag, this was this is what was really stressing me out. My carry-on, or no, my the bag that was checked in had to be, uh, it was on the first plane. And I wasn't on the first plane. So my bag got to California like an hour or two before I did. 
And I just had to pray that everything was good because that was all my clothes. It had my mom's dress that she let me borrow that's in my face right now, still in my closet. It's really, really pretty dress. And I was like, oh my gosh. Out of, out of everything that was in there, I was like, my mother's dress is in that duffel bag. It cannot get lost. <laughs> so I got to California. I went to the baggage claim, like the customer service area, and got my bag. Boom. So now I had to figure out, you know, where to go. Because now I'm across the country by myself with no, you know, nobody with me. And I have to go to Long Beach. And now I will tell you, these people said nothing about figuring out transportation in between the airport and the hotel. All they said was figure out the hotel. I mean, figure out the, uh, the airport in which you're flying in. Right? It didn't say anything about taking care of your own uh, transportation. That's important. You can't just act, you can't expect somebody to fill in the blanks. All right, because that I assumed the blank that I filled in was that there was going to be like a bus or something waiting for all the evaded people. I got there, no bus. Right, I get on a, a bus to it's like Long Beach something resort. Let's just say resort Long Beach. Right. And I saw a bus that had the name of the resort, but it said Los Angeles. And I didn't know the difference at the time. So I got on that bus and it took me to that hotel. And I was like, I don't think this is the right hotel. So I look at the name of it on my phone and I look at the actual hotel. I'm like, this is not the right hotel. So I stay on the bus and I tell the bus driver that I'm going back to the airport and I'm emailing this lady like, what, what, what? What is the issue? Like, how, what am I supposed to do? I had like $31 in my bank account. And my mom gave me $100 because that was all she could spare at the time. So I already went across the country with the $131 in my bank account, right? Or it was probably like $120 something because I did spend money on food that, that I lost my appetite for uh, very shortly after. <laughs> But, um, where was I? Where was I? I'm emailing the lady. She's like, oh, everybody else is buying Ubers. Ma'am, I was in Los Angeles. It was like, uh, it was maybe 12 some. It was maybe 12 something in the afternoon. Who is buying an Uber from Los Angeles to Long Beach, California in the middle of the day? That took everything out of my bank account. It literally would have. I calculated the cost because I was like, I got to get there. Well, if I can't pay for it, I guess I got to do the free public transportation. So I found a valet and I was like, all right, how do I get to Long Beach from here in Los Angeles? With the, I had a 40 pound duffel bag, had a 40 pound duffel bag on my shoulder and I ended up putting my purse. It was like this big white, uh, this big white purse with like flowers and butterflies on it. I stuffed that in my duffel bag because I didn't want to become a target in the middle of Los Angeles with like I got I had my taser in my pocket and my knife in my other pocket, but that was it, you know. I might not even brought my knife. I think I just brought my taser. Um, so we're on the I get on the bus, and I talk to the valet, and she's like, all right, you got to take the green line to the blue line, and the green line has a pink sign that shows where the green line is, <laughs> and I was like, all right, green line, pink sign, 
Now, I told you guys I had DID, and a, a side effect of that is short-term memory loss. So I was like, I need to take out my phone and write down these directions because I cannot rely on my own memory. <laughs> I wrote, all right, green line, and then parentheses, pink sign, and then blue line. And then, uh, so I got on the green line, which was a bus. Bus was filled, and they were like, can you guys move back? Is there any more room? And I was like, there's there's literally no more room, bro. Like, I couldn't even, there was literally no space for people to even sit down. We were standing up, holding on to the bar with this giant uh, duffel bag, and they did not care. That's all right. I was in Los Angeles. I knew what to expect. I got off the green line. And I was like, all right, where's the blue line? Because I'm thinking blue line is, is a bus. No, the buses dropped us off at a train station. And I was like, okay, now I have to find the blue line to go wherever I need to go. But I need to purchase like a ticket or something like a card. And I didn't know how to do that. And I saw this Russian lady with blonde hair and she had like a violin case. And the only reason I felt comfortable walking up to her was because of that instrument case. And I was like, all right, a fellow musician, I could tell her I played trumpet, and that'll open up the conversation for her to help me. <laughs> and it did. And she was like, I don't really know what to do either. I'm also here for like a performance, and I don't know where to go, but this is what I learned. And she helped me get this card. Where, where is this card? I still got it. There we go. I still got it in my wallet. And it is a train card. It's a tap. I don't know if any of y'all are in uh California. It's a little tap card. It like has mountains and then yellow and red on it. And it's like tap customer service in the back, blah 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 blah. Right? Had to pay for that. It was like three dollars. I paid for the card and then I turned around and I saw this black woman and she looked like a local because she knew like what to press and where to go to just like walk up the thing for free. So I just followed right behind her and I didn't even use my tap card. Right. So I just got a free tap thing on my thing. Well, it's not free. It cost me three dollars. I followed her, told her my situation, told her where I needed to go. And she gave me all the directions from the train to get to the hotel and i was like oh my goodness thank you and we start talking you know she asked me what i'm here for oh the student cosmetology and my school paid for me to get here but they didn't pay for like any transportation in between so that's what i'm doing right now and uh she told me about her daughter she was like her daughter's two and she's getting the hair she's doing her sister's hair and she wants to invest in her daughter you know and, and i was like that would be a really good idea and she asked me for my cash app and she sent money, but I, it was, we were on a train and there wasn't really good signal. So I wasn't able to check it until after the lady left, but she was like, good luck. And I was like, thank you. Like, good luck on your journey. And I hope everything goes well. She left. And soon after I got a notification on my cash app, she gave me a hundred dollars. She cash apped me one hundred dollars. And I was like, oh my goodness. I wanted to cry, but I couldn't cry because I was in the middle of Compton. I don't know if I, I need to watch Fresh Out of Compton. I gotta watch or Straight Out of Fresh Out of Compton. LOL. I need to watch Straight Out of Compton because I haven't seen that movie. But I know Compton is dangerous because I traveled through it by myself. My phone was on fifteen percent, 
and I asked one more person for directions. They didn't even verbally say anything to me. They just pointed at the sign. And I was like, thank you. Oh, wait, no. I accidentally lied. I got on the train, right? The blue line. I had to switch trains. I had to switch trains. And uh, I, I had to switch trains after the lady had got off. That's what it was. Because I asked a homeless man for directions. Y'all, I asked a homeless man for directions. And you know what he did? He helped me. He didn't, he didn't harass me. He didn't ask me for any money in exchange for help. He didn't ask for anything in exchange for his help. He, was, he pointed me over there and he was like, it's probably going to come right now, so you might want to hurry. And I said, thank you. He was like, you're welcome. And then just turned and walked off. That doesn't happen in L.A. My friend who was supposed to be there, she ended up missing the plane the first day. And then the second day she had to figure out how to get there. She said every person she came across was very mean and nasty to her. I told her my experience. She's like, I really wouldn't have even believed that this was in the same, uh, the same place, the same state. Uh, so I asked a homeless man. And I got to the train station and I ended up getting off and then just walking down the street like four or five minutes to the hotel. So I got there safely with like a 40, 40 to 50 pound bag, let's say 30 to 45 pound bag on my shoulder. I got to the hotel. I had a bruise on my shoulder. Right. And then that's not even the end of it, y'all. I had to check into the hotel and they took out like a, what's it called? Uh. I can't even remember, but it was something for like collateral in case somebody breaks something that's in the hotel and you don't tell them and you leave or like you put a fake card down. So I had to give them my card and I asked them, I was like, is this going to charge anything? They said, no, it's not going to charge anything. It charged. It charged like, like, like a hundred. It took all the money out of my bank account, y'all. It took all the money out of my bank account. So I'm glad I didn't deposit anything from my cash app into my bank account because it would have completely depleted everything. And I had to find that I had to find that out at like 5 a.m. because I'm from Florida and the time change uh, was messing with my sleep schedule. So I just woke up at five and went and exercised, went outside to the jacuzzi, you know, and I was like, yesterday you guys said that this wasn't going to take anything out of my account. It took stuff out of my account. And then the guy was like, oh, it's supposed to be 250 It's like, well, it took whatever I had out of there because I didn't have 250 I'm not here for it, but, I, you know, I'm balling on a budget right now, sir. Y'all just took everything out of my bank account. So if it wasn't for that, for that, that very sweet woman, I would not have, uh, I wouldn't have been able to eat. You know, because my mom gave me what she could for that trip. So if, if she didn't send me that money, I actually would have just asked one of the educators because they had, I told one of them about my story and then all of them ended up knowing because, you know, word spreads like, like a wildfire. And uh, she was like, if you need anything, ask any one of us, you know, so I'd have been taken care of regardless. But that was just a... Anything could have happened to me, y'all. Anything. And then I didn't even realize my phone was dying because I had it on the whole time. Didn't realize my phone was dying until uh, I got off to walk. Because I was like, what's my percentage? I said 15. 
I was like, Father God, please. He was with me every step of the way. He was with me every step of the way. And then because of that, you know, I had a... I was pretty, I'm not going to say antisocial, but I like to seclude myself when I don't know everybody around there. Like, uh, man, well, while, <laughs> while I was doing the, the meeting and everything, you know, I mean, I got a good seat because I'm, I need glasses. I ain't got my glasses on. I was like, I'm kind of blind. I need to sit in the front. If I have questions, I want to ask my, you know, I want to raise my hand, be, you know, called on, ask any questions. I sat in the front. Tell me why the second day, these girls who I mingled with the first day, we I thought we were friends. I thought we were cool. You know? I come back the second day and like I think maybe three of them were sitting next to me and then the fourth one that was somewhere nowhere near us, I took my spot and they looked at me when I came up and I was like, Oh, we're not we're not sitting in the same seats that we sat in yesterday since we're only here for three days and they're like, Oh no, no. And I looked at them, and they looked like they really were about to say sorry. And I was like, it's okay. And I just, like, found another seat still in the front. I was like, man, this is why I don't like making friends. Y'all just y'all just be picking and choosing. They just stabbed me in the back. I thought we were cool. Then they just took my spot because they know it was a good one. But that's all right. But going through all that stuff on the first day. I knew exactly, knew exactly how to get back to the airport. <laughs> knew exactly how to get back to the airport uh, on the last day upon leaving. And my other classmate ended up getting there like the night of the second day. And we left uh, the very next morning. Because she, I was at the front of the line. Remember how I told you I made it five minutes before boarding closed? I was at the front of the line and she was all the way at the back. So she ended up missing it. But yeah, that was, that was some pretty good stories. And then going to bring all of this to a close, we are going to read day number four in our Whispers of Wisdoms for everyone. And day number four, stir up your gifts. God gave you very special gifts talent, and abilities. You can use those gifts to bring others into his kingdom. Isn't it fun to think about your special talents God has given you? Maybe you can sing or play an instrument, like me, I can play trumpet. Perhaps you enjoy acting or dancing and love to perform on the big stage, quotation mark, quotation mark. <laughs> Maybe you prefer to scribble down your thoughts in your journal or write funny little poems to make people smile. Remember, all of these abilities come from God. He wants you to stir them up. Keep practicing. Keep working at them. And while you're doing this, don't compare yourself to others. So what if someone else is, is a little better than, than you, you know? Or, well, what does it say? So what if someone else is a little better at something than you are? There you go. The Lord gave your friends gifts, too. He wants those special abilities to be used. All of his children are uniquely created, and it's a blast to watch those talents grow. The King of Kings took the time to give you, his royalty, his royal child, gifts. Unwrap each one of 
Yeah, unwrap each one and use it to his glory. Period. Like, you know, I, I play trumpet and I, I play my trumpet at church to try and touch people who who may need to hear good sound. You know, somebody who, who might really appreciate hearing the sound of an instrument paired with the sound of a voice or like a, a brass instrument and a string and, you know, so anything to touch somebody's spirit. Whisper of wisdom for this reason. I ask you to keep using the gift God gave you. It came to you when I laid my hands on you and prayed that God would use you. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, New Living, uh, or NLV, I don't, New Living Version. Good job. But yeah, thank you guys for attending this episode of Sodom and I with me. I wish you all the best. I wish you all safety, protection, and blessing upon blessings. I love you guys and have a great night. Mwah!